Hey, Matt, how's Maggie doing? How's she feeling? It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you're asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey, everyone. Matt Hausman here. Smart Money Questions Podcast. And today, what I thought I would talk to you about is I've been hearing that, or quite frankly, I've been hearing that over the last couple of years, but I've been hearing it a lot lately. And it got me thinking about recording a podcast on this day in particular. The day I'm recording this, it was three years ago today, Maggie and I were sitting in the hospital on a Sunday morning with the hematologist trying to figure out why Maggie had just spent the night in the hospital with a blood transfusion. And trying to figure out why her red cell count was so low. And it got me thinking, this is going to be a little bit off topic on this podcast. In other words, the name of the podcast is Smart Money Questions. And what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take the word money out and just talk about smart questions. Because like in that situation when we were sitting there with the doctor trying to figure out, and they quite frankly didn't know, why her red cell count was so off and dropping... They didn't know what was going on. So the idea is, well, what questions are we supposed to ask? Now, Maggie and I are sitting there. We're not in the medical field. And so we're like, we don't even know what questions we're supposed to be asking. We don't know the smart questions to ask. We're expecting the professional here. And here we are sitting with the hematologist, and we're kind of going over medical history and you know lifestyle, what do you eat, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And what it came to be is that, okay, well, we're going to keep you in the hospital another day. We're going to schedule a bone marrow biopsy the next day. This was Monday morning at the time, three years ago. It was actually Columbus Day on that Monday. And we're going to do a biopsy, and we're going to see what it says. That's probably the best way for us to figure out, because we can't find anything else you know, wrong with you. We just know that this red cell count is not where it's supposed to be, which at the time was really affecting Maggie. Shortness of breath, fatigue. Quite frankly, she was pale. But then after the transfusion, she felt a lot better. She had more energy. But they still didn't know, and they weren't able to tell us what was going on. So long story short, Maggie stayed there Sunday night. I went home, I think, Saturday night. I probably got home about 2.30 in the morning, went back on Sunday, stayed all day Sunday, left about midnight, 1 o'clock, came back. Bone marrow biopsy was first thing in the morning. And we went through that, and then Maggie came home with me that day. It was early afternoon, came home. As we're walking out, the doctor says, hey, listen, by the way, what I'd like to do is I'd like to schedule a follow-up. So tomorrow when you get home, just call into the office and schedule something for either later in the week or the first part of next week. Let's get back together. Let's review the test. So we went home, you know, and quite frankly, that day was gorgeous. We sat out on the deck, got up the next morning. It was kind of cloudy and rainy, and I headed into the office. And Maggie called the office of the hematologist, which was actually back at Riddle Hospital. That's where we were. And the first thing on the phone, when the person said, well, okay, I'm, your name, please. Maggie says, Maggie Hausman, Margaret Hausman. And the first thing that she hears, she can overhear something in the background. And the person on the phone comes back and said, actually, the doctor would like to see you today as soon as possible. So we'd like for you to go ahead and come in. What time can you be here? And she goes, well, I can leave right now. And so I always remember this because I was walking up to the office, just getting ready to open the door, and the phone rang. Cell phone rang, and Maggie said, hey, listen, they want us to go in and meet with them today. And 
of course, both of us are thinking, well, if they're doing that, then this can't be anything good. But we're still not knowing what's going on. And I just remember driving. Then I met her at the hematologist office. I remember thinking that she was just in the hospital. She had transfusions. They did do the bone marrow biopsy. But before that, they took blood and they were doing all types of tests. And you would figure that when we were at the hospital, that they would be doing tests for everything conceivable or they've already asked all the smart questions. They've already asked the right questions to be able to do the tests to find out. I felt like when we left on Monday, we should have known what the issues were and how to address them. In this particular case, we sat down with the hematologist. I'll just always remember, he said, you could just call me Dr. Wojo. And so we went in to meet with Wojo and we sat there and it's just the three of us and we're in a pretty small little patient room. And, and he said, well, and he proceeded to give us the news that Maggie had leukemia. And even to this day, it's still hard for me to say that. But I remember sitting there, and the first thing I said when I looked at the doctor, I said, Dr. Chronic or acute? He said acute. And he went on to describe the type of leukemia Maggie had. And quite frankly, Maggie was sitting over there, and I didn't know it at the time, it's when we left and we got to the cars, that she didn't know what leukemia was. I did. I'd had a friend that had had acute leukemia back in high school. So in this particular case, he said, listen, the reality is that let's don't look at this as, you know, not being curable. Let's look at the big C as being curable. I'm going to get you hooked up. You're going to be down at the University of Penn as soon as I can get you an appointment. And you guys, you're going to be able to handle this. And we kind of walked out and initially we were kind of joking. Actually, what ended up happening, how this whole thing came about, we had started working out for an obstacle course race called the Spartan Run. And it was during the training that Maggie was having issues as to how we even ended up at Riddle Hospital with a transfusion. It was during that training, and we were doing it because we were looking to, you know, get in shape and lose weight. And we're walking out to the car. I always remember this. And we just look at each other, and we're like, good night, Lord. We just wanted to lose some weight. All of a sudden, now we got leukemia. (laughs) But so then that happens. So then the diagnosis is there. And... What normally happens, or when I've talked to other people that have had that diagnosis, family members, friends, clients, questions start going through your mind. And sometimes they're going so fast, we can't even comprehend all the questions that are happening. And we surely at that particular time, based on maybe emotion, and in our particular case, we didn't know anything about leukemia, or even though I had had a friend with acute leukemia, I didn't really know what the next steps were. I definitely didn't know the questions that we should be asking. And so I personally went into research mode. I'm not the one with leukemia, it's Maggie, but I'm wanting to find out everything I could to make sure that when we got to the University of Penn, I was asking the right questions. And so I've never read more over the next couple of days. They ended up getting us into the University of Penn on a Thursday. We got there and met with, quite frankly, at the time, it was a team. When we finally got in to meet with the doctor, it was the doctor, the oncologist, it was the nurse practitioner, and it was an RN. And they proceeded to kind of lay out what the situation was right now, what the treatment was going to be, what it was going to look like. The reason the RN was there is that they were there to talk to us about, would we want to be involved in a clinical trial? And if we did want to be involved, what that clinical trial was doing 
and the extra things that were going to be needed from Maggie to be involved in that clinical trial. And we sat there and we listened. I think we were in the office for about three and a half hours. And during that time period, we were obviously asking a lot of questions based on all the stuff we had read over the course of the last couple of days. And, you know, I remember making the comment as I was asking certain questions to the doctor and the nurse practitioner that she ended up saying to me, the oncologist, he said, well, clearly you've been doing some reading. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, doctor, I feel like as I'm reading the stuff online that I can distinguish between what's probably factual and what's probably, we'll say not. <laughs> and she agreed. Yeah, you're, you're asking the right questions. You know, certain things that I had read weren't available in the States yet. They were overseas. Talking about the clinical trial, the different things that Maggie was going to have to go through. What was that going to look like on a day-to-day basis? And we left that meeting feeling pretty comfortable with what we were getting or what Maggie was really getting ready to embark on. So the initial was we did agree to the clinical trial. We proceeded to sign about what seemed like four mortgage sets of documents. (laughs) We left there after we'd been there for that long, and it ended up being about 5.15. Of course, we're down at Penn, which most of you know, you're leaving Philadelphia at that time. I was like, you know, let's don't do that. We're just going to sit in traffic. Let's go have dinner. And we sat there at dinner on a Thursday, knowing that Monday was going to be when Maggie was going to be admitted. And we just kind of sat there and we looked at each other. And we both started laughing at the same time. And I said, I don't know about you, but did you feel like you just walked away and bought a timeshare? <laughs> and I think that was kind of the the way, you know, when you have a team there, there's three people, they were going over everything. It was a long and extensive meeting. But we really felt good on the direction we're going, and we felt comfortable because of the questions that we had asked. And not only that, the thing that I was really struck with was the ability for the doctor to address questions that we hadn't even thought about yet. So if we go back to the idea of asking, the key is asking the right questions. She really made us feel comfortable to, for instance, let us know and expect what was going to happen over the course of the next 30 days. So Maggie's initial treatment, at least when we left that night, was going to be 30 days in the hospital, going through four cycles of chemotherapy, and then she would have a regimen following that of around 18 months of outpatient chemotherapy and possibly some radiation. And we were comfortable with that, with what the doctor had told us. But When we were there at Penn, one of the things that they did is they did another bone marrow biopsy now at Penn on that Thursday. And so now we're Friday and we're getting prepared. We know in a couple days Maggie's going to be going in. Obviously, we had spoke to the kids earlier in the week once the diagnosis happened, talking to friends, family, even clients, kind of letting them know what was going on. We didn't want to obviously hold this in. We wanted people to be aware of it because in certain cases, our traveling was going to be changing you know, different things were going to have to be shifted around. My mom came up from Florida. Our local community really helped out. And then we got a phone call at 4.30 on Friday, and it was the doctor. Now, keep in mind, we're preparing to actually be at the hospital on Monday for the treatment they had just got done telling us the night before or the day before. And it's 4.30, and she lets us know, hey, listen, the bone marrow biopsy came back, and you have a different type of of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, known as what's called 
Philadelphia positive. And so everything we talked about yesterday is off the table. The treatment is going to change. You're not eligible for the clinical trial. And you're still going to have to spend the next 30 days in the hospital, but it's going to be a different regimen. And we'll go over that on Monday. (laughs) And Maggie and I are like looking at each other like, what? You know, so needless to say, that next weekend was kind of an up and down type of roller coaster event. And I'm now looking at everything I can look into about Philadelphia positive. And the funny thing about it is some of you have heard me talk about this as I used to always, and I still do joke with Maggie being Delco, right? I hear that all the time being up here. Many of you knew I grew up in Florida. And so I'm not Delco, but I guess I am now. And I used to say that, well, when we were sitting at Penn on Thursday before going and meeting the doctor, I happened to grab a couple pamphlets. And one of the pamphlets actually was talking about Philadelphia positive, but I hadn't made the connection to acute leukemia. And I just kind of nudged her before we were walking in. I'm like, yeah, look at you. You're probably going to be Philadelphia positive there, Delco. And here we were in that situation. So needless to say, we go in and now we're there on Monday. She had to get a couple things done. We're checking in. We probably look like deer in the headlights as we're walking around Penn. The one thing that we definitely learned in going through this situation is that when you go to hospitals and you're admitted and you're in there for treatment, I call it, you know, Jamaica time. It's whenever they show up, they show up. They tell you they're coming, but don't necessarily expect it to be right when they tell you they're going to be there. So it was most of the day, you know, getting situated there at Penn. And we didn't really find out until Wednesday after asking a lot of questions as to what the new protocol and new treatment plan was going to be. And that's when they let us know that it was going to have to be a stem cell transplant for Maggie. So now all of a sudden I did all this research on Philadelphia positive, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Now it's okay. Now we need a stem cell transplant. What does that look like? Who's going to be the donor? So we started asking more and more questions, looking into more and more variables, if you will, that we need to be aware of so we can communicate with the doctor, with the nurses. The one thing I'll say in, on the podcast, I've talked about it in the past. Many of you have been in office. The one thing about University of Penn that was great is when Maggie was in there and when I was in there early enough in the morning, or I'm sorry, actually, most of the time it was a little later in the morning because I would get there pretty early is that there was a team that would come in and talk with Maggie. And so every day, it was what they called the implementation doctor on staff that particular week, along with the RNs that were coming in to take care of her, the nurse practitioner, the pharmacist. I think about three times a week, it was the physical therapist coming in. This is what's going on today. This is what you're going to be getting. This is what the agenda is. This is what the goal is. Every day they were doing that. And so that made us feel comfortable being proactive with that. So long story short, make it through the 30 days. Maggie does awesome, comes out. Then it's every other week she's back there for a week until they find the donor and we can schedule the transplant. Long story short, ended up being her sister, ended up being the donor. We scheduled the transplant for, of all days, Groundhog Day, February 2016. And she had to go in, if I remember, I was eight days before that, she had to have another bout of chemotherapy. Then they did radiation and then the stem cell transplant. Then she was in the hospital again for another, from that date, about 55 days, and then came home and was able to do the rest of her recovery in the comfort of her own home compared to being 
only in the hospital room. Still had nurses coming every other day, you know, taking blood, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But she was able to do that. And one of the things when we were doing our research, and I was doing the research after that Thursday, was what is Penn doing, or should we be looking, let's say, at Johns Hopkins? I looked at MD Anderson. You know, what's their protocols? What are they doing in this situation? How do they view transplants? What's their protocol and treatment plan for Philadelphia positive ALL? And what I found in doing that is they're all different. And when we finally got to speak with what the treatment plan was going to be at the University of Penn on that Wednesday, very comforted to know the direction that they were going to take us in. And so again, asking the question or questions to make sure not only that we understand what was happening. Now, I definitely don't know what was happening at the microscopic level. Neither does Maggie. Don't really know how the whole stem cell transplant thing worked. Don't even know how the chemo thing worked. Only thing I know about when Maggie got the full body radiation is that she had a suntan for about a year. (laughs) So we didn't know that, but we understood conceptually what was going on. And we did the research to be able to ask the questions. And then the doctors were able to answer questions that we hadn't even thought about to really make us feel comfortable, which I believe was very instrumental in Maggie's recovery, which... Almost three years now, two days from today, was her diagnosis. And so one of the things, just to let everyone know, let's go back to the first question. Hey, Matt, how's Maggie doing? How's she feeling? Well, she's feeling great. You know, since she came out uh, from and was able to recover at home, if I remember right, we've done five of those obstacle course type races. I think three or four Spartans actually a couple mud runs right around the corner from us. And so she's doing great. And I wanted to tell this because one of the things that we learned in that situation was we were thrust into it. It wasn't like I had been doing research on acute lymphoblastic leukemia, Philadelphia positive, or Maggie for that matter, for the last one, two or five or seven years to be prepared for that. It kind of came on us all at once. And then we had to like go into rush mode, into it's got to get done today mode. And how that really kind of segues into now smart money questions is retirement planning, we have time to do that. We have time. We know at some particular time we are going to be retiring or getting to the point where we might be forced into retirement. Even if my desire is to work until I meet my maker, I might be forced into that situation. And so when we're thinking about our retirement and everything that goes into it, my encouragement to everyone that's listening is don't wait for something traumatic or life-changing or life-altering like what happened to us be when you start thinking about retirement planning, distribution planning, tax mitigation strategies. It's so important to do that before, boom, something happens. You know, many of the people that we serve and the clients that we have, they have come in and they've been two to five, seven years from retirement. You know, that's such a good opportunity to be able to do 
multi-year planning out and any strategies or opportunities that can be taken advantage of now, we were able to do that. And then I have some clients that have come in. I can think of one client in particular that came in and said, hey, listen, I retired six weeks ago. And I was like, oh, you have. So do you have a plan? No. And I've had other clients that were thinking they were going to work for an extended period of time and they were forced into early retirement and boom, I got to figure out what's going to happen now. Do I take social security? Do I start taking down my IRA, 401k, what have you? And so one of the things that what Maggie and I have been through and really the benefit or the silver lining on the back end of this is it's allowed us to recognize, first of all, to live every day, not that we weren't doing that to begin with, but living every day with purpose and getting the most out of it, but also thinking about the future days, the year, the two, the five, the 10 years from now and start planning. And I really believe that you can do both. You can enjoy the moment. You can plan for the moment. You also can plan for years in advance to be prepared for retirement. So with that being said, hopefully this has been, you know, encouraging, inspiring, because when Maggie and I were speaking about it this morning and we were just kind of talking about it, it's hard to believe it's been three years. And I saw so many parallels in the aspect of questions. Our podcast is Smart Money Questions and just take the money out. I think what we always want to do, and I mentioned this in a podcast just about six weeks ago, I was at a conference and one of the people, one of the speakers talked about always ask the follow-up question. And I think in my particular case and Maggie's and dealing and going through that diagnosis and through the treatment and in and out of the hospital and what was going on is always asking the follow-up question, you know, not being afraid to ask it. And it's really true in all areas of life, not just financial planning, not just retirement planning, but really everything asking the right questions. And many of you have heard me talk about what a mentor told me years and years ago, which is you get where you are in life based on the questions that you ask. The key is to ask the right questions. So with that, that's all I have for today. Matt Hausman, Smart Money Questions. If you've got a topic or a scenario or something you'd like for us to address on the show, please email us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com or just go to our website. There's a form there that you can fill out and send it over to us at smartmoneyquestions.com. So with that, that's all I've got for today. Matt Hausman signing off. Everybody have a great week. Thanks again.